Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. Amazing. Well, I heard that Pastor Daz and Pastor Bron are not here. Hmm. I can't believe they entrusted me with this. I reckon we should do a little early mark and uh, church credit card, KFC for lunch, everybody in? No, just me? I mean, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have left me in charge, right? Uh, not that I'm in charge by any means, uh, but we'll organize that afterwards. Thanks, man. Hey, it's honestly such a privilege to be speaking of your pastors. I just want to take a moment to honor Pastor Daz and Pastor Bron. They are incredible, incredible people. They're... Um, They've honestly been so loving and kind to me and my family, and uh, they've been such great friends, and uh, they've just done such an incredible job with our state and with with our movement, and uh, you are so blessed to have them as your pastors and leaders, and uh, you're looking at me like, am I, are we really? Yeah, you really are. Uh, They're incredible leaders, they're incredible friends, and they genuinely love you guys. Like Bron texted me this morning saying, don't stuff it up. I'm like, thank you. Yeah, I'll try not to. Um, but but she she and, and Daz, they love you guys so much. And so I, I wanted to take a moment. I know that they're not here, but um, honor doesn't need to be done in front of a person. Honor can be done because it's a posture of the heart. So come on, can we honor our pastors and leaders, Pastor Daz and Pastor Bron, the leaders of this house. We love you guys very much. And uh, and we won't be taking an early mark. Um, Hey, as, as uh, Trish mentioned, uh, my name is Jason Mendes. I'm the executive pastor at, uh, at our church uh, in Sydney called Petersham AAG Church. My wife and I do that together. Uh, we, we've been doing that now for a couple of years, and, and our church is incredible. We're actually, we turned 95 years old this year. Can you believe that? 95. Talk about longevity. And uh, here's, here's a crazy um, stat for you. We've only had three senior pastors in that entire time. That's, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, you can, you can give them a round of applause for that. That's, that's awesome. And so uh, we want to honor our pastors, Pastor Barry and Tracy Saar. In fact, they're my in-laws, so I kind of have to honor them. Uh, how's that, right? I got married and then got a job too. That's how you do it. And uh, <laughs> so I love them. They're also in- incredible pastors. And so uh, it's just a privilege to be here with you this morning. Um, can I tell you a little bit about my family? <clears throat> okay, just you. Uh, Okay, so, so I've been married now to Katie uh, for almost eight years, and, uh, and she was my best friend in high school. I don't know if you guys remember, but, but this is a photo of my wife. Uh, this is on our wedding day. I know I'm punching. Okay, let's, we just, let's just put that out there. I understand. Thank you. Don't need to have a go at me. I have a great personality, okay? That's how I got someone like that. Uh, and so that's my wife. In fact, we met, we've been best friends since we were 11 years old. And, and if you don't believe me, here's the proof right there. Boom. Yeah. Yeah, I was playing the long game, you know what I mean? As wisdom, long game. I was consistent, persistent, never gave up. Maybe I should preach about that. But I, I mean, that is, can, can we just take a moment to notice how, like, fresh, I, I, I look like a fresh-made curry, you know what I mean? Like, just straight from the, from the ground up, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, just that haircut, I'm seriously, like, mom, thank you, why? Why would you do that? Why would you allow that in my life? I always like to take a moment, whenever I see that photo, I always like to take a moment just to praise Jesus for puberty. You know what I mean? Like, thank you, Lord, for facial hair. You know, like, thank you, Jesus. You are good. Good. Oh, oh. Um, 
And so anyway, that's us. And so what happens is when you get a little bit of milk chocolate and a little bit of, you know, white chocolate, uh, when you get that together, makes Caramello kids. And so uh, these are my children. Um, that I know, right? I know. It's like skin perfection, right? Um, so that's my daughter. Her name's Anaya Grace. She's three and a half years old. She is the sweetest thing in the world. She's like, she'll wake up in the morning and she'll be like, Dad, I love you. Just like playing, I love you, Daddy. I'm like, I love you too. You know, and so that's my daughter. She's the sweetest. My son, he's one and a half. His name is Zion Cruz. Uh, he's not as sweet. Uh, he, this kid needs Jesus. He'll like, he'll kind of run into a room, run straight into a door, fall down, kind of dust himself off and run into another room. And like he's like, pray for us. He needs Jesus. And uh, they, they are my kids. I love them to death and, and I miss them dearly, dearly. So anyway, pray for my family. They're, in, they're incredible. Uh, my wife is incredible and my children are the best and, and I love them. So they all send their love. Anyway, can we get to the word? Uh, this morning I was, I was thinking about it and I, I was thinking about this new season that you guys are in. This is an in, in, incredible building, right? Come on, anyone grateful for this? I mean, it is, it's something else. It's pretty cool because I was, I, I feel like I'm a little bit part of the journey. I was there uh, in, in the old building a couple years ago and, and preached there and to see where you guys are now in this incredible facility uh, with you guys, I, I've noticed that you guys are getting better looking. Uh, while, I, while I've been away, I don't know if it's the water in Tamworth, but uh, it is, it, it's, it's, it's so, it's, it's really good. Is it not the water? People are like, no, definitely not the water in Tamworth. It's cloudy. It's cool. I'll give you some of mine if you want. We'll share. Um, and so it, it is so good to, to see what God is doing. And I just believe that you are at an important time in the future of your church. This is a very critical moment. And, and although you have a new facility and it's exciting and and it's, it's great and it looks good and new people have started to come. And if it is your first time here, I want to encourage you, come, come for the next few weeks. Make this your home church because this is an incredible church with an incredible community serving an incredible God. And so this is, it is so great to see where you've, where you've come through. But I wanted to talk to you about, about those seasonal changes. What, what do we do in that, in that season shift? Because I, I was thinking about a story in the Bible who remembers that story of Peter when he walked on the water? Any, anyone? Can I see a show of hands? Oh, look, look. Just oh, there's, there's a lot of hands. Thank you. I just, I'm just reminding you. The moment I got up on this platform, this became a brown church. Okay, and a brown church is a loud church. So uh, you need to let me know that you're alive out there. Are we alive out there? Okay. Thank you. So if if, if something's connecting, if you if you're feeling like I'm preaching, just say amen. You can, if you have a puppet on with you, throw it up in the air. Like you just don't care. I don't care. Do something, but just let me know you're alive. Are you alive out there this morning? And so I'm thinking about Peter when, when, when he walked on water. And, and there, was a, there was a very critical moment uh, where, where Peter was standing on the boat to the moment where he stepped onto the water. There was a moment where something took place and I want us to have a look at the Bible and see what the Word of God says about it. In Matthew 14, verse 25, if you didn't bring your Bible, it's cool, we've got three on, on the screen. Uh, Matthew 14, we're going to go from verse 25. The Bible says that shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them. This is the disciples. The disciples were in a boat and uh, they were hanging out. And Jesus walked out onto the water, walking on the lake. And the Bible says this, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. Pause. For those of you who don't know, you can't walk on water. It's not a common thing. You can't just go out and do that. You can't go up to the local Tamworth pools and just walk along the water. 
that doesn't happen, okay? So, so we're kind of in, this is like a wow moment. This is a faith moment. This is an incredible moment. And so Jesus walks out, walking on the lake, and the disciples were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you, Jesus, are the Son of God. There was a moment where Peter had to step out of what he knew into a place of what he didn't know. There was a moment where he had to step out of what was comfortable to a place that was not comfortable. A, a place where, where, where he, he knew boats. I mean, he was a fisherman. He understood it. He understood boats. He understood wood. He, he understood how it worked. But there was a point where Jesus was calling him out into a place of discomfort, a place of the unknown, a place that wasn't familiar, a place of, of, of different understanding. And, and to do that, there's a moment where your weight has to shift, correct? There's a moment where you go from wood or from the boat to water. Now, you can keep your foot on the wood and dip your toe in the water, but that's not the shift. There's a shift that took place. There was a moment where Peter left the boat and left what he knew and left what he was comfortable with and left what he was familiar with and stepped into something unknown. There was a weight shift. Come on, someone say weight shift. There was a weight shift. His weight had to shift from what he knew to what he didn't know. And, and I guess what I want to talk to you about is the idea that for you to see a weight shift in your life, there actually needs to be a faith lift in your life. Not a face lift. I mean, some of us might need a face lift. I understand. But I'm talking about a faith lift. For us to shift our weight, we actually need to lift our faith. For us to step into a new season, for us to step into a new calling, see, this building is great, and this building's fantastic, and there's going to be incredible stories and incredible memories, and God's going to do great things in this house and in this venue. But can I tell you what? This is brick and mortar. This is just lights and metal and plastic. What God wants to do in your church and in and through you is going to take a people to shift their weight from what they knew into what is unknown. God is calling this church into something new, into something fresh, and I believe that God wants to shift your faith this morning. And so the title of my message this morning is The Faith Shift, The Faith Shift, The Faith Shift. Write that down if you're taking notes. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you for this word. I thank you for this church. God, I ask that you would move in this place like never before, Father God, not because of me and not because of a person, but because you're here and your spirit is here and you want to touch and change lives in Jesus' name. If you believe that, say amen. The faith shift. Turn to someone and say the faith shift. The faith shift, the faith shift. Quick story. Uh, for those of you who didn't realize, uh, I'm, uh, I'm not kind of Australian by heritage. Uh, I'm brown, and, uh, and, and I'm Sri Lankan, right? Anyone know, heard of Sri Lanka? Uh, we're the ones who are just bombing out in the cricket right now, and so uh, that, that's us. 
Uh, and so it's, 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 been a hard, it's been a hard couple of weeks. But you know what? Speaking of hard weeks, Parramatta won last night. And I'm a happy camper, okay? Do we watch rugby league out here? No? We've got Parafan. I love you, man. We're going to have a prayer sesh later. I, I like, I'm going to pray for our team. And so, um, so I'm, I'm from Sri Lanka. And something you need to understand about Sri Lankans is, uh, this is a bit of a stereotype, but it's kind of true. We're not the most confident swimmers. All right, so swimming is just not our spiritual gift, if you want to put it that way. I like, I know we're an island, we're surrounded by water, but there's just something about it. We're just, I mean, there are some Sri Lankans who are great swimmers, like fantastic, good on you, great, great for you to push against the stereotype. But me, no, I'm embracing the stereotype. I can't swim. I freak out. Like the most comfortable place with water is the shower for me. Like that's, it's kind of like a drown-free zone. And sometimes it gets borderline, you know, when, the, when, the, when it starts to kind of fill up, but like, like that's, that's, that's it for me. And, and my dad, you got to understand, our whole family, we're not comfortable with water. And my dad had this great idea. He was like, Jason, let's go on a holiday. I was like, oh, sounds great. Let's do it. And he had this great idea. We went up to the central coast in New South Wales. And, and he said, you know what? Today, we must hire a boat. I was like, dad, I, I don't think that's a good idea. I, 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 I disagree. Is this a voting system? Anyone else with me? No? Okay, we're doing it. And so my dad decided to go to it down to a boat shed, and we hired a boat. Now, I noticed something very interesting, that we were the only brown people in the boat shed. That is a cue to not go there. You know what I mean? I was like, hey, this is, this is, this is our cue. Let's take the message and leave. Uh, but no, my dad persisted. We must go on a boat. And so, um, so we decided to hire this boat, and he, he thought it's going to be like, we're going to get some lunch. We're going to go out into the water, and the sun's going to be shining, and everyone's going to be eating. It's going to be such a good time. And I was like, ah, oh, this is, yeah, this, this sounds scary to me. And um, so anyway, we went, we went on this boat, and, and as, as we went down, you know how they kind of give you some markers? Now, look, I'm going to say some things that might not make sense because I don't understand boats, and I don't understand water. So just kind of get the picture here, all right? There are a bunch of things in the water where you have to stay on, like, one side of them. Are they markers? Uh, boys, boys, right? Why call it a boy? That's not a boy. I'm a boy, right? But, okay, anyway. So we're staying on the side of these boys, and, you know, we, we're kind of getting confident and thinking, you know what, we can do this. And our family, the morale's lifting, and everyone's like, yeah, this is great. And so we decide to kind of track away from the boys. And uh, we kind of ventured into this, into this kind of open part of the water, and, and we thought, this is great. And uh, as we kind of uh, cruising along in this boat, my whole family's in there. My wife's in there with me as well, and, and, we're, and she's pregnant at the time. And we're kind of cruising along this water. And I started to notice that the boat started to slow down. Thinking, this is not good. Have we kind of run out of petrol? Like, what, what's, what's going on? The boat's kind of slowing down. And I'm like, oh, man, this is not good. Katie, my wife, a.k.a. the only white person in the boat, uh, she kind of stands up and she looks down and she realizes that we're in something called a sandbank. Is that, is, is that the right term? Sandbank, right? We're in a sandbank. I'm like, what is a sandbank? Is this, is this where you make sand like transactions? Like, what are we talking about here? Sandbank. We're in a sandbank. And so this sandbank, the, 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 the propeller, propeller, the engine, the engine is now getting caught in the sand, and we're kind of slowing down. And I'm thinking, this is not a good, good sign. And so Katie came up with this great idea. She's like, everyone has to jump out of the boat. We have to lift the boat, kind of push it out till we get into deeper waters. I'm like, this is, this, now we're really starting to get into uncomfortable territory. You know what I mean? I mean, I was happy to be in the boat, 
Now you're telling us to get out of the boat in the middle of the ocean. This is not a good sign. Something bad is going to happen, and I can feel it. Are we all going to survive this together? And so we kind of all get out of the boat, and everyone's kind of pushing. And, and so my brother, he was kind of on the boat. I made the decision to be the captain. That's leadership. And so I kind of stood at the front of the boat and just kind of pointed in different directions. And, uh, and uh, my dad, he jumped out of the boat. And so my dad was going to lift the boat. My mom, who was useless at the time, didn't help at all, just kind of made fun of everybody. And, uh, and so she, she kind of sat in the boat. And, and so my dad is kind of out of the boat pushing this boat. Now, don't judge me, but my pregnant wife was out of the boat too. She was pushing the boat too. And so uh, don't, don't judge me. We all could have died if it was me, all right? And so, uh, so she's kind of outside. And anyway, as we kind of push the boat, my, my wife kind of jumps into the boat. Who, who here knows that getting out of the boat is one thing, but getting back in the boat is a whole other thing? Like, I mean, it sounds really good. Yeah, I can jump out. I can't jump in. Like, it's just a whole nother, you, you kind of use muscles that you never thought existed. It's like, oh, what, like, what is that? <laughs> Did I even have something there? And so, 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 so my dad is now kind of on the side of the boat. This is, this is a 100% true story. Um, as we were going, my dad slips over on the sandbank and he starts holding onto the boat. Now, at this time, the boat is starting to pick up some pace. We're starting to get some speed. And my dad is holding onto the boat and he now thinks, that he's going to drown, so he decides to hang on to the boat. So he's holding on to the boat. I'm like, Dad, we're on a sandbank. Let go of the boat. And he says, no, stop the boat. I'm like, you can't just stop there. Like, there's no brake. You can't put the brake on to stop the boat. He's like, stop the boat. I'm like, Dad, we can't stop the boat. Let go of the boat so you can stand up. You can stand. He's like, I cannot stand. Stop the boat. He's like, I'm Dad, we can't do it. Please just let go. He's like, stop it. I cannot let go. I'm like, let go. You can stand, right? And then my mom, the worst, she's like, Prashant, get in the boat. I'm like, like Mom, we're trying, right? And so you've got to understand, just kind of zoom out of this for a second. You've got a Sri Lankan family hanging off a boat, like literally rolling around at probably three kilometers an hour on a sandbank. Can you imagine how funny that would have looked? And so here we are, everyone's screaming at each other. People are yelling. People are shouting. People are getting frustrated. And my wife, she's hilarious. She's like doing like the, the no sound laugh. Just the shoulders are like. That's what she's doing in the back corner. I'm like, you're a horrible person. And, uh, and so all of this is kind of unfolding. All of this is happening. We eventually pull my dad in after screaming and sweating and he's covered in water. I'll tell you what, it was the most awkward ride back to the boat shed. I just felt like going, told you so. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't, I kept it quiet. And here's the thing, there's two lessons to learn in this. Number one, if you're an ethnic, don't hire the boat. Just stay away. That's my advice. Number two, here's the point I want you to catch. You'll never know if you can stand until you let go of what you know. You'll never know if you can stand until you let go of what you know. Can I just say to my dad, what was familiar and what was comfortable was the boat. But all he needed to understand was if he would let go of what he knew, he might have been able to stand. Now, here's the thing in your life. Maybe there are dreams in your heart. Maybe there are things that God wants to do in your life, but you'll never know if you can stand on the promise. You'll never know if you can fulfill the thing that God has in your life until you let go of what you know. You'll never step into the future that God has for Northwest if you're hanging onto the past of your old building. 
you'll never step into the purpose and the promise and the future and the calling that God has on your life if you never let go of what you know. Today, I believe that God is calling us to let go of what we know. Let go of what is familiar. Let go of, of, of what, we, what we've been comfortable with and step in to the fullness. Step into the promise. Come on, am I talking to someone today? Step into the future. Step into vision. Step into the plan that God has for you and for this church in Jesus' name. So how do we step in? How do we get that faith shift? Can I talk to you about three things real quick? Come on, can I talk to you about three things? Is that all right? Number one, the first thing to do to step into that faith shift is number one, we've got to trust. Number one, we've got to trust. We've got to trust God in transit. When we're on the way into a new season, we've got to trust Him. When we're on the way into something new, we've got to trust Him. When we're on the way into a new job, we've got to trust Him. When we're on the way moving into another location, we've got to trust Him. When our church is becoming something into the future, we've got to trust Him. We've got to trust that God is good. We've got to trust that God is faithful. We've got to trust that God always comes through. We've got to trust that He knows what's best. We've got to trust that although we don't know, God knows. We've got to trust that even though I make mistakes, that God doesn't. We've got to trust that even though I'm not in control, we've got to trust that God is in control. Number one, we've got to trust. It's so funny because we try to be in control of everything. In control of every single thing. But the Bible says this in Proverbs 3. It says, trust in the Lord with just a part of your heart. Mm. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, with everything that you have. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. You know what he's saying? In every single circumstance, trust in God. In every situation, trust in God. When you don't have the answer, trust in God. When you don't know what's coming, trust in God. When you don't know how you're going to get through it, trust in God. When you're facing sickness and you don't know how you're going to get healed, trust in God. In every circumstance, trust in Him. In the valley, trust in Him. On the mountaintop, trust in Him. Halfway through the mountain, trust in Him. In every circumstance, trust in Him. In, with all your heart, in all your ways, trust in Him. I, I, I don't know where the path is going, but He does. I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but He does. I don't know how I'm going to face it, but He does. don't know how I'm going to get there, but He does. We've got to trust Him. You know, really, the reason why we don't trust Him is because we don't know Him. At the core of our trust issue is a relational issue. We don't trust God because we don't know God. Because if we knew God, then we would know that He's good in every season. We would know that He is faithful in every season. So when I'm facing a sickness, when I'm facing a trial, when I'm facing bankruptcy, when I'm facing a problem, when I'm facing a challenge. You know, last year in my own personal life, we were purchasing a house in Sydney. That's called a nightmare. All right, Sydney is a nightmare when it comes to buying a house, but we're trying to set up our family. We got to the point where we had purchased a house prior to that, we'd sold it. Long story short, our family was facing a financial situation that a financial advisor said would be bankruptcy. So as a 30-year-old with a young family, I'm freaking out going, God, this was not part of the plan. But I want to tell you, even though I don't see a way out, God sees a way out. 
I'm happy to tell you today that we own that place. Not only do we own that place, that place has already increased in value. God has done something great in, my, in our lives. We now have a stake in the ground in our city, four minutes away from church. Shout out to Jesus. Thank you. I mean, it is so good. We, we, we haven't just been, it's not just a good situation. It's a supernatural situation. God's blessed us beyond more than we can think or imagine. But it's because we trust in Him. I, I, I don't trust Him because I don't know Him. But when we know our God, when, when we know that He's good, when we know that He's faithful, when we know that that's who He is, then we can trust Him. That's the thing. I, I don't want to know what He does. I want to know who He is. I don't want Him to just do great things for me. I want to know Him. Because He is good. Not just He does good. He is good. So I want to know Him today. Number one, the first thing is we got to, the first thing we got to do is trust. The second thing we have to do is to stand. Number one, we need to trust, but number two, we need to stand. We've got to stand on the word. We've got to stand on a word from God. It's very interesting that the way this story unfolds is, is Peter says, Jesus, if it's you, then, then call us. And so Jesus says, come. And so Peter then steps out of the boat. Now here's the thing. Science will tell you that you can't walk on water. In fact, common sense will tell you that you can't walk on water. So how does Peter stand on water when that goes against science, when it defies physics, it defies the laws of gravity, it doesn't make any sense. Here's how. It's because I personally believe that Peter wasn't standing on water. I believe that Peter was standing on a word. I believe that his obedient response to the word come was the thing that Peter stood on. Because when we stand on the word, we actually step into a realm of faith. We step into a season of, of the supernatural. We step into something that's beyond what we can think or imagine. See, Peter stood on a word. He didn't stand on what he knew. He didn't stand on something that made sense. He stood on the word of God. See, water's liquid, but the word of God's solid. It, it, was, it was a solid word to stand on. He chose to stand on a word from God. You know, I, I, I don't know about you, but I feel like we can spend our whole lives trying to live comfortable, our whole lives trying to live in a safe zone, our whole lives not taking risk. But I don't, I don't want to live comfortable when, when I'm meant to be living cold. I, I don't want to live where it's easy and where it's chilled and where it's calm. I want to step out into the fullness that God has for my life. I want to be everything that He's called me to be. And so some of us in this room, we've spent our whole life standing on wood when we should have been standing on the Word. Spent our whole life standing on what is comfortable. Standing on what we, I mean, Peter knew boats. He knew fishing. It was comfortable. He knew that he would be safe. Yet God is not calling us to live a safe life, to live an easy life, to live this mediocre, average, happy, clappy life. No, God is calling us to see cities won, to see Tamworth won for Jesus. Come on, anyone believe that here? I, I, I don't know about you, but when I go home, I'm not hoping that God just saves my street. I'm praying prayers. The Bible says that if we would ask, He would give us nations. I want to see my city won for Jesus. But we won't see it if we live our life Standing on wood, You've got to step out and stand on the word. It's power in the word. It's power in the word. In the word of God, there's power to change lives. 
There's power to heal. There's power to transform. Power in the Word of God. I love it. One of my favorite Bible verses is in Isaiah 40, verse 8. The Bible says this, Though the grass withers and the flowers fall, the Word of our God endures forever. I love that. The Word of our God endures forever. What that's saying is, although seasons come and go, the Word of God stays the same. Although things change, God's Word stays the same. Although relationships come and go, God's Word stays forever. Although seasons come and go, God's Word stays forever. Although there's happy seasons, God's Word stands forever. When there's disappointing seasons and seasons of frustration and seasons of anger and seasons of hurt, God's Word stands forever. Can I ask you, what are you standing on? Are you standing on what is familiar or are you standing on a Word from God? Yeah, the Bible says that in, in Philippians, it says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The Word of God says in Hebrews, He will never leave us nor forsake us. In Psalms, it says, I'm created in His image. In Jeremiah, it says, He has a plan and a purpose for me. In Romans, it says, He works for the good of those who love Him. In Philippians, again, it says, God will supply all my needs. I wonder if you're standing on the Word today. When you're facing a problem, are you standing on wood or are you standing on the Word? Are you standing on a promise of God or are you standing on the situation that you're going through? Today, I wanna encourage you to stand on a Word. Stand on a word. So number one, the first thing we've got to do is trust. And the second thing we have to do is we've got to stand. The third thing, is this helping anyone today? The third thing we have to do is remember. Number one, we've got to trust. Number two, we have to stand. But number three, we have to remember. Everyone say remember. If I can ask the band to come and join me. Number one, we have to trust. Number two, we have to stand. Number three, we have to remember. Let me say that again. Number one, can we say that together? Number one, we have to Number two, we have to, and number three, we have to remember. Trust, stand, remember. Say that again. Trust, stand, remember. So when I'm stepping into a new season, I need to trust God. I need to stand on His Word. And I've got to remember His faithfulness. I've got to remember His goodness. I've got to remember the provision of my past. I've got to remember that God's taking care of me. I gotta remember that time that when I was sick, my God healed me. I gotta remember that time when I prayed for someone and God changed their circumstance. I gotta remember that time when I didn't have a job and God brought something into my life. I gotta remember that time when I didn't have children and I prayed and I prayed and then God provided. I gotta remember that my God has been good to me, that my God has been faithful to me. Come on, is there anyone who agrees with what I'm saying this morning? God is good and He's faithful. Not just some of the time, all the time. Come on, I gotta remember. I gotta remember that he's good. Remember. I gotta remember that time when I didn't have money and I was at uni and all I was doing was eating me goreng, instant noodle soup every day. And now my God provides for me so he can provide again. And he'll provide again. And he'll come through again. I gotta remember that time when we were meeting at a ch- in a house as a church. And God was faithful in that connect group moment. And now we moved into another building. 
And now we moved into another building again. And God will be faithful when we need to move again. And God will be faithful when we need to grow again. And God will be faithful when we need to stretch again. God will be faithful. I've got to remember how good He's been. Got to remember. Sometimes it's as simple as just remembering that the lung that you have and the air that's in that is not from something you created, but it's something that God gave you. Sometimes we need to remember that the clothes on our back is not because we work hard. I get it. There are a lot of hard workers in this place. I work hard as well back home in Sydney. But can I tell you, what we have is not because of we're good, not because we work hard. It's because God is good and it's because God is faithful and it's because God provides and it's because God gave me what I didn't deserve. Come on, if we got what we deserve, we wouldn't even be here. But because He is good, because He is faithful, I get to have clothes on my back. I get to get in my car and drive home. I get to go and stay in the house that I live in, that I rent in, that someone's been gracious to me to live in. Whatever circumstance it is, we've got to remember that what you have is from Him. So when I'm moving into a new season, I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to stand on His Word. I'm going to remember His faithfulness. I'm going to remember His provision. Can I get an amen in this place? Joshua 4, I'm going to ask my friend to come up. Can you come up and, and bring our, our stones? These are stones. I, I want you to, here, here, jump up, jump, jump up. I want, I want you to help me do something. Can you set up that little pyramid I asked you to set up? Is that okay? Oh, there we go. While he's setting this up, I want to read a Bible verse. The Bible says in Joshua 4, he says, from verse 20, the Bible says, And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones that had taken out, they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents what do these stones mean, tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what He had done to the Red Sea when He dried it up before us until we had crossed over. Catch it, catch it. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me talk about what's going on. Israel's being set free from Egypt. And there they are at the Red Sea. Moses holds out his staff. The ocean splits. And all of Israel walk through it. Moses dies after many years. And there they are in their promised land. About to cross over into their promise. About to cross over into their future about to cross over into what God had promised them. And there they stand, the nation. And there's a river that they can't cross. And Joshua, the leader, prays. And right before their eyes, the Jordan River dries up. And what they do is as they walk through, Joshua in his leadership, Joshua in his, in his foresight, says to the 12 leaders of the 12 different tribes of Israel. He says, I want you to grab a stone from the river and I want you to set it up. And we're gonna set it up right near where the miracle happened. Why? It's because of this. When you one day walk past here with your kids and when you see this, you're gonna remember that God was faithful at the Red Sea and then you're gonna remember that God was faithful at the Jordan and whatever I'm facing now, that my God will be faithful today. My God was faithful yesterday. My God is faithful today. 
my God will be faithful tomorrow. He was faithful at the Red Sea. He's faithful at the Jordan. He's going to be faithful with my future. He's going to be faithful with my, with my future, with, my part, with, my, with the vision that I have. He's going to be faithful with the dreams that are in my life. God will be faithful because He was faithful before. Sometimes we've got to remember because we walk through life just wondering, God, where are you? God, when are you going to come through for me? God, when are you going to heal me? God, when are you going to provide? When am I going to get the promotion? When am I going to get the breakthrough? When am I going to step into my calling? And God wants to say to you this. For us to move forward, sometimes we need to just look back. For me to step forward, I've got to look back. And I've got to say, God, you were faithful then. You'll be faithful today. God, you were faithful with my past. You're going to be faithful today. As I step into a new season, you were faithful on the boat. But God, as I step into the water, you're going to be faithful again. God, you're going to be faithful. God, you're going to be faithful because you are a good God. You're a faithful God. You, you know what? I need to trust Him. I've got to stand on His Word. I've got to remember that He's good. I've got to remember that He's faithful. I need to look back and remind myself of all the times that He provided for me, all the times He never let me down, all the times that He came through, all the times that He healed, all the times that He provided, all the times that He came through and said, you know what? I love you. I got your back. I'm going to take care of you. We've got to trust Him. We've got to stand on His Word. And we've got to remember. We've got to remember that He is faithful. Amen. Hey again. Thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued, and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.